the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com. Uh, the USA Today NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. And with me in our second show of the week and our first preview show of maybe two, I don't know if we'll have a second one this week, is Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com and one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. We're episode 504, 504. And this is our preview predictions and pop bet show, but it's we added another P and it's Pro Bowl. So we're going to talk Pro Bowl previewing the Seahawks game, making our picks and predictions, and we'll talk some prop bets as well, Seth, um, as we go into the final weekend of the season. We now know the Pro Bowl, with the, the, the Pro Bowl members. The Cardinals was mildly surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised, but I am surprised. The Cardinals get one Pro Bowl, and that's safety Buda Baker, fifth season in a row as a starting safety, sixth time in his career. Um, and nobody else was even an alternate. Now, how surprised were you that there were no alternates? How surprised were you that Buddha made it this year in a year which he missed four games? And statistically, he's been eh. I think he even missed five games total. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a interesting that he made the the Pro Bowl, not just made, but as a starter. <clears throat> which means players and coaches, because I think it's a, a, a third, a third, a third, right? Yeah, thing? and he did not crack the top 10 in now, in previous years. In previous years, he's been a top 10 vote getter at safety. This year was not. He did not crack the top 10. And so this was all about the cachet of respect that he has from players and coaches. Yeah, and so like that's a huge thing. Um, yeah, he did miss five games too, which is crazy. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Um, but he, uh, you know, he, he missed five games, but he's got so much respect from the, the coaches and players that to earn a starting means that he was the majority guy on those things. Right. And so, especially when you're not even top 10 in the, in the voting and, and we're already seeing the cries, you know, Anton Winfield Jr. has had a better year. And I think, I mean, if we're going to be completely honest and transparent, he did have a better year. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but you know, Buddha's, um, uh, developed enough or, or you know acquired enough cachet in the league that it's fine like this this is and you have so eloquently talked about this for for years for years that um eventually it stops being about what you did and more about who you are oh totally and that's and that's where Buddha is at this point. Like, it's not, I don't want anybody to think that we said Buddha played poorly or didn't deserve, no. but like, look at this. And, and again, this is one player that, but that he made it over. Antoine Winfield Jr. He's played every game this season. He has three interceptions, 12 passes defense, five forced fumbles, four fumbles recovered, five sacks, 
117 total tackles, 73 solo, 44 assisted, That's, and five tackles for loss. Well, even like even look at Jalen Thompson, who you you could argue that Jalen Thompson's had the better season between he and Buddha, and that that's but but it it's it unless you come in as a highly highly touted um, player in the league, usually you unless you are fantastic as a rookie or if you it takes any time for you to develop. And this is an old adage in the NFL when it comes to Pro Bowls. You usually don't. You usually aren't a Pro Bowler the first time you deserve it, and you're usually there for one more than you should. Is usually how that goes. Now, I don't want to say that age 27, almost 28 years old, that oh Buddha no, he's is, not past his prime at all. It's no. just you know you you just look at the amount of games played to to only play 12 games this year um, to be on the worst defense in the right. NFL. And, and, and he's got 77 tackles, which is second on the team, five tackles for loss, but he hasn't gotten his hand on a pass. He hasn't he hasn't created any turnovers, hasn't had an interception. And so statistically, he's been very, very, you know, for lack of a better way for kids to, that the young people know, he's been pretty mid in terms of statistics. That's not to say about his impact, um, his importance to the team, but he, he does, this is this year, it is a legacy Pro Bowl selection, and there's nothing wrong with that because that always happens. If you look up and down the rosters of the Pro, the Pro Bowl rosters, you're going to see some guys that are like that. Um, when Chris Lindstrom, who's a fantastic player, is Chris Lindstrom still one of the best guards in the NFC? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know at his age. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's just, it, it stinks that that's what it comes down to, but at the same time, um, you're not going to take anything away from a guy like like Buddha. He deserves it. He's a he's a fantastic uh, player, and and he's you know he he works very hard to to be where he's at. I mean, you look at it this year, like you said, you've got you've got a great mix of everything. I mean, um, you know, you've got you've got young guys, you've got older guys, uh, you've got like you said, you've got guys that probably deserve it, probably that don't deserve it. Um, it goes back to what we said, though, right? Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, wouldn't you have liked to have made that uh, trade for Montez Sweat, Pro Bowler Montez Sweat? Uh, now at this point, <laughs> like, right? Like to see what he's done this year, but you know, and Buddha is not the only guy that that is probably close to a legacy pick. He's probably the most. Um, well, it's interesting because you know how Buddha got the recognition early. It's when he made one. I think one of the things that was helpful was being a special teamer, special teams pro bowler his rookie season, because then players knew who he was. Right. But I mean, this is a, and, and nobody, I mean, People may not even agree with me on this, but like you look at a guy like Aaron Donald, one of the best players in the history of the NFL. This season, his own teammate, rookie Kobe Turner, probably had a better year than him. And he's not even like, he's not even an alternate. Like he's the same type of thing. Like, and so now Aaron's played a more impactful season than, than Buddha. So I don't want to take anything away from yeah. Aaron, but like, those are, those are the type of things that happen, you know? And, and so guys like Aaron Donald, 
next year will probably still be in it, right? Um, I mean, Bob is Bobby Wagner one of the best inside linebackers in the NFL? When you're talking about something that we'll get to shortly, having you know playing for one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, probably not. But I mean, and and we don't have anything to like compare it to, right? Because we don't we, we don't have an inside linebacker that we would we would. Want, but like I'm sure there are some teams that would be like, or some fans that would be like, oh, I can't believe you know, this guy didn't make it or this guy you know, uh, T.J. Edwards of uh, I, I know the Bears were kind of upset he oh, didn't make it. And, Edwards has had a fantastic season and, and you know things like that. And so, you know, it's I don't I don't take anything away from from Buddha, right? You know, and then in. in and then you look at were there snubs, and we always we then because we work with the internet, you have to write about snubs for your team, even if no one was probably snubbed. I cannot say I'm like I wrote about two players. I think you maybe could make an argument for three players that could have um, pro- probably and and I wrote it for this part of point of view um, on Thursday was snubbed as alternates. Because there's no way you could have put this. Like, Trey McBride is one of them. Now, impact that he's had over the last eight, eight nine games, I, I, broke it, I, I broke it down. You know, he has 63 catches in his last nine games. And if you extrapolated his last nine-game production over an entire season, he would have 119 catches for over 1,100 yards. That's insane. One, and it probably wouldn't happen. But you can't honestly. There's no, there's no one who could honestly say... Yes, Trey McBride desired, d- deserved a Pro Bowl berth over George Kittle, who is back over a thousand yards receiving this year for the first year in a few. Kittle, who is, you know, still one of the five best tight ends in the NFL in terms of both, and he, and one of the best all around ones because he is a fierce blocker and incredibly productive in the past game. Or Sam Laporta, the rookie in Detroit, who's got, you know, eighty plus catches, almost nine hundred yards, and nine touchdowns. You know, McBride was the only player to in on the on the Cardinals to crack the top crack the top ten in fan voting. And 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 for those who don't know about fan voting, we know it comes down to two things. There are literally two things that matter for fan voting: um, team popularity and fantasy production. And because of the last two months, McBride's getting attention because of his fantasy production. That and there's and there's there's you can't really can't really you know criticize that because that's how play that's how fans are going to know about players from other teams you either vote for your team's players and then the more popular teams or the, the the teams that are more popular nationwide or having a great season will get those votes or two they're players that that get uh, recognition for fantasy numbers uh, james connor a couple of years ago in the pro bowl he was not the let's say he was not one of the best running backs in the NFL. But however, the, the twenty touchdowns that he scored got a lot of attention. When you score a lot of touchdowns, that gets players' attention, that gets coaches' attention, and it definitely gets the fans' attention because he was a fantasy superstar. And so Trey McBride's not quite there. And I, you know, Matt Prater probably deserved alternate um, status, in my opinion. There's a lot of other good kickers, but you definitely couldn't put him in over Brandon Aubrey, who's been perfect on 35 field goal attempts this year for the Cowboys in the mix of it there. And so, and, and then maybe Connor. Connor, who's 
threatening. Like he could crack a thousand yards this year. He was at 110 yards away from a thousand yards on the season, and you could say the you know that he maybe could be an alternate. But if you look at his you know week by week numbers, it's been it's been inconsistent. He's been hurt, and so uh, while he we we get it, we get it. Because he hasn't had the monster fantasy production, he just wasn't going to get the same thing. So I, I'd say those three deserve recognition. And a player to watch moving forward would be Paris Johnson because he's a top 10 pick. Um, and it, we, I told you on the last show that, that you know his teammates call him all pro P. Um, I, I would imagine in the next year or two, if he continues, that because he already comes in with that cachet of, of expectation, we could see him reach that level. But other than that, I mean, look at this team. Nobody else is a pro bowler. I still think Prater should have been. Um, I know I get why Brandon Aubrey, just from a pure, like you said, fantasy points perspective. And he... He did a nice job kicking long distance as well this year, but I just thought that what Prater did this year um, in the situation he was in was so uh, impressive. But, you know, Aubrey was 35 from 35 from field goals. Like, he didn't miss a field goal all season. So it's tough. I, I get that portion of it. Um, and like you said, maybe maybe James Conner. But, I mean, you look at the running backs, right? I mean, like, who are you, like Christian McBride? No, no, I mean Christian McCaffrey. There's no way you're like he's far and above. Like he's the best running back in football this year. Right. And so then you look at it and you've got you've got the reality that maybe one of these guys, you know, is a late ad alternate, right? That still happens every once in a while, but probably not from this this group of things. So we'll see how it all kind of works out and everything. But uh um you know it's a... Uh, it was a bit of a, a surprise when I got the email because it came about what, like six o'clock last night or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, it was that. And and I kind of just didn't even open it because I didn't expect anything. And then and then I was like, wait, did that say Pro Bowl like on the header? And so I went back and looked, and I was like, oh my gosh, it does say Pro Bowl. Like, what is going on? So. That that was where my head was. Like I typically I have pre writes for it, and I quite frankly didn't even pre write it because I was like, oh, they're not getting a pro bowler this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Coming to the next one of the Rise Up Sierra podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on and look ahead to Week 18. The Cardinals take on the Seahawks. We'll preview the Seahawks as a team. That's coming to the next at Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web. We play the Seattle Seahawks. This Sunday afternoon at State Farm Stadium, 2.25 p.m. Arizona time. And this is an interesting thing because, the, you know, the Seahawks, the last time we, we saw them, they were, they were five. They were three and two. They won the game. They were four and two. And it was a very interesting game because the, the Seahawks turned the ball over three times. The Cardinals won the turnover battle but lost 20 to 10. And it was, it was a rough game. We talked about in that show, leading up to that show, just how great their run defense was. And I went to look and see if that was still the case, and here we go, and they are, you know, in yards per game, they are now third, you know, the third worst team. They allow the third most rushing yards per game, 134.1. The Cardinals, of course, allow the most rushing yards per game at 143.5. And, but... 
Even so, like yards can be deceiving. You look at the yards per carry, they are 4.5 yards a carry that they're allowing, which puts them 32, 31, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25th in the NFL when they were a top 10 team or a top 5 team when they in, entering um, entering week 7 earlier this season. They and they're just coming off a game in which Pittsburgh ran all over them. Um, they were over 200 rushing yards against them. And you look at their their team, They over the last four games, offense has been not great. Now, granted, they are 2-5 and five in their last seven games. They are on the brink. They are the number eight seed right now to make the postseason. They need, the, they need to beat the Cardinals, and they need the Bears to beat the, the Packers, which I think is a possibility the way the Bears are playing. That said, this is a this going into this this is a winnable game, and, and we'll talk more about that at in the preview part as we talk about keys and things like that. But you know their defense. Um, look, look at the last several weeks of now they've got two games. They only allowed seventeen points to the Eagles. They looked great. They only allowed seventeen points to the Titans, but the Titans don't score points. Um, but since in that seven game stretch. They they lost seventeen to sixteen to the Rams. They gave up thirty one to the 49ers, which is understandable. They gave up forty one to the Cowboys, also understandable. They gave up twenty eight to the 49ers, also understandable. But they gave up thirty to the Eagles to the to the Steelers. And if you're giving up thirty to the Steelers, something's wrong because we know the Steelers are bad. Although Mason Rudolph has added a little bit of a spark, so this defense is suddenly while there's like it can be good is not the same good that it was. No, and you look at it, it's kind of crazy to look at, but you broke down some of it. I, I've kind of looked at the last um, the last nine games for for the Seahawks. So at one point this season, this team was sitting at five and two. In the last nine games, they're three and six. They're averaging less than 20 points a game, 19.4, and they're giving up over 27 points per game. So it's kind of a, a historically bad fall if you look at it. I mean, their wins, the only impressive win was that game over Philadelphia where they beat them 20 to 17. And we the, know Philly's a fraud right now. Yeah, guys. And, and and so you look at it, and in their other wins, they beat Washington 29-26, you know, barely beat Washington. They beat the Eagles, like I said, 2017, and then they beat the Titans 2017. Their three wins are a combined nine points. Um, you know, they're giving up almost 400 yards per game. They're barely getting over 300 yards per game on offense. And then, like we talked about, their their vaunted run defense that was number one in uh, yards per game and fifth in yards per attempt is now 30th in yards allowed. 30th and 25th in yards per attempt. Those are just baffling, insane numbers to see that go. Because, I mean, they play the Cardinals week seven. So it was week six that we looked at those numbers and we were like, this is a this is a really good run defense, and and you got to remember too the Cardinals even ran the ball well against them in that game. I mean, um, 
I think the Cardinals ran for, you know, you, and that was without, uh, that was out without Connor too. And they had, you know, D Mercado had 58 yards. Uh, Josh Dobbs had 43 yards. Rondell Moore had 24 yards. So like they did a nice job running the ball against this team. Uh, the last time they played them. And now you're talking about a team with Kyler Murray, with with obviously James Conner back healthy, uh, with Michael Carter added into the fold, and now you're just seeing a different type of running game and a, an, an offensive line that seems like it's found its groove in, in run blocking. So it's going to be really interesting because it's just such a change from what we saw overall. And I talked with uh, John Gilbert of Bill uh, Goals and, and – you know, it's interesting because I feel like they're in a, you know, as fans, they're in a spot where they kind of can't complain because they've had it so good for so long. And they understand that this is kind of the last hurrah of Pete Carroll. And so you don't necessarily want to push him out. So you're kind of letting or allowing him to, to finish on his own terms. And at the same time, it's kind of, setting back this this franchise right a little bit like not in the sense of like oh they're never going to be good again but in the sense of like hey this isn't you know this team isn't going to be as good um as they potentially could be and and so that's what's really interesting to kind of look at and 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 see because overall there's a lot of there just seems to be a lot of disconnect with with everything i mean again this is a team that has is uh is struggling kind of in every facet of the game despite having guys like dk metcalf despite having guys like kenneth walker i mean they're still having decent seasons but uh you look at it they're they're really really and i mean really bad along the offensive line they've had just an absurd devastating amount of injuries that they've had to deal with this season um and then defensively it's been a combination of injuries and change in scheme and and other teams getting enough film on their scheme and adapting to what they were doing and and i don't think we ever really expected to see that in a pete carroll led team no no it's it, and but even still this is a defense that has three Pro Bowlers, right? You've got Bobby Wagner, you got Devon Witherspoon, and and then you've got Julian Love, and so they they still have talent there. Um, they like I guess if you're going to look at their money stat, is if you look at their last, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. So we'll go back since their five and two start. So we look back at those nine games. It comes down to this. They don't turn the ball over, they win. They have three wins in the three games that they haven't turned the ball over. And then in the last, and then the, the other six games, they turned the ball over. Uh, their defense, their defense has been okay at, t- at creating turnovers. They, they haven't created one in the last two weeks and in three of the last five. But it really comes down to, are they giving, because they've struggled kind of offensively, their defense isn't as good, so if they turn the ball over, giving the opponent an extra possession, that's more than they can overtake. That's more than they can overcome. Um, but 
like even with their struggles offensively because they haven't scored more than 23 points. In fact, they've it's been 16, 20, 20, 23 over the last month. And then before that, they had the 35 against the Cowboys. It was 13. It was 16. So they're, you know, they have a one game of 35 points in their last one, two, three, four, five, six games. Um, that is really kind of skewing their numbers. You know, after the five and two start, they did three. They had 29, but then it was 16, 13, 35, 16, 20, 20, 23. If, they, if that's the offensive production that they're getting, they're and they're turning the ball over, that's going to be really hard to overcome. But at the same time, you look at those numbers and you can see, oh, they're like against Washington, they rolled up nearly 500 yards of offense. They had over 400 yards of offense against the Cowboys. They approached 400 yards against the Steelers. And so that's a team that can still move the ball, which, you know, the Cardinals struggle. And so, you know, as we look at the keys, if the Cardinals do what they did against Philly, that's one thing. If if they aren't able to control the ball, that's then it's going to be a different story. But yeah, it's it, if you can get if you can create if the Cardinals can create a turnover, then that's kind of the money stat. That in in three games where they don't turn the ball over, three wins. In the, in the last six games where they turned the ball over, they lost six times. Well, it's interesting because they don't turn the ball over a lot. You know, they're fifth in turnovers on the season with only 17, which is, you know, a very minuscule number. But they don't cause a lot of turnovers, right? 19 on the season. And then the fact that, like you said, they're they're starting to struggle in a lot of facets of the game. Uh, you know, they, they're really not a good third down defense. When you look at it, uh, they're they're thirty first ranked third down defense, which is not good. The last I checked, um, they give up more first downs than anybody in the league, which is again a baffling stat, right? Like, how how do you give up? How do you have three Pro Bowlers and give up the most first downs in the league? Um, you know, they they don't force interceptions. That was something that. Uh, that John talked about, you know, I asked, you know, because it's the end of the season and and maybe not for them, but for the Cardinals. And so one of the questions I asked, who was a big surprise, who was a big disappointment this season? And one of the big disappointments is, is Reek Woolen, a guy that, you know, I loved last year. We talked about earlier this year when they played him, you know, this was a guy that was a pro bowler last year as a rookie. And this year he's, he's just kind of been, I don't want to say bad because that's overstating it, but he hasn't been what you would expect in year two, um, especially adding a guy in Devin Witherspoon who's a pro bowler this year, right? Like you would expect him to take that next step. Um, and so that's, you know, that's been an is- issue for them. Uh, you know, they, you mentioned it, Julian Love, their their safety is a, is a pro bowler. He has four interceptions that leads the team and, and, then you, you look at it, you know, they don't have a double-digit sack guy. Boy, Moffy might get there this year, but, you know, Jaron Reed's only got seven, and he's number two. And then from there, they've got a bunch of guys that have, you know, four, four-and-a-half sacks on the season. Uh, they traded for Leonard Williams. He hasn't really, you know, he's he's been impactful, but he hasn't really lived. I mean, you think about that trade happened, and they've kind of nosedived since that situation, right? So... 
you know, you have those issues, but then you have the reality of that. You know, they're spending a ton of money on a guy like Jamal Adams, who's played nine games this year. Um, you know, they're they're spending a ton of money on on Geno Smith, who's missed games this year and hasn't been as effective as he was last year. Um, who you know, and he's been kind of the definition of an average quarterback, and and so you look at it from that perspective, and and it kind of makes sense that they're in this position um, when nothing's kind of going right. I mean, you know, you look at it. Kenneth Walker last year was a guy that it looked like he was just going to take the league by storm, right? I mean, this is a guy that came in. In, in 15 games, ran for over a 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, over four and a half yards per carry. And then this year, he's barely scraping over four yards per carry. Um, and he's a good running back. I mean, we're not taking anything away from Kenneth Walker. We think he's a fantastic running back. But, like, it just goes to show how much plays into the overall success of a team. And, and when you've had – and, again, I, I don't do a lot of fact-checking in these things because I – Quite frankly, like I trust them to tell me what's going on, um, but you know, they they've told me or that John told me that you know both starting tackles, both starting guards, and the starting center have all been out at different times this year. That I mean, we we've seen that with the Cardinals. It's one of the things that you know when injuries happen, whether it's along the defensive front line or the offensive line it it makes it really difficult to be successful and and you know you don't want to make excuses for a team but it just does seem like even if <clears throat> seattle is able to win this game and sneak into the playoffs it doesn't seem like they're built for any success in the playoffs based on what we've seen over the last nine weeks Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, the best Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move forward to talk about keys and matchups. That's what we're doing next. Coming up next on Rise Up Series. We're back on the Rise Up Series podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's look ahead now to the matchup. Um, and I think is if we talk about keys, um, one, create turnovers. Two, the blueprint that they did against against Philadelphia. That will also work against Seattle because to mitigate because the because the, the the Seahawks do not stop the run well, if the Cardinals can run the ball and stay on schedule and keep the ball away from Seattle to where the Cardinals defense doesn't have to be on the field for long because guess what we know the Cardinals defense is bad, and that's fine um that that's what you get on an under-talented team that's missing players due to injury. And so if they can do that, if like offensively, if they can do, if they can be as efficient as they were last week, and, and they were efficient, and they, they sputtered in the first half on those first three possessions. And so like this is a game where if they just do, if they are, I'm not saying not punt, but yeah, if they don't punt, I think they'll probably win the game. But yeah, they kind of the same. If the same vibes, if their vibes, their offensive vibes are the same as they were last week, they can mess around and win this game. Which, you know, that's a little bit worrisome. But it's exciting. But then you're like, but the draft, but the draft. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's where you're at at this point. Is you're looking at it and you go, you know, what's the what's the right answer? Where do you get to? Uh, you know, things like that. And, and, 
you know, it just seems like this this team is in a good space where it's more important for them to have success or, you know, to feel that success and continue to to build that momentum forward um, than it is to be like, oh, well, you know, they're going to miss out on Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and, and so I think that's where you're at at this point. Like it's, it would have been different if they were sitting at two wins, right? Like you look at it and you go, Hey, they won that first game. Tyler was back. And then they've, you know, they're one in six now. And it is what it is. Like we're off to next year. And now we can debate the quarterback situation and blah, blah, blah. But I think with, with how it's played out, you're kind of like, all right, is this team good enough to game plan and scheme up a win against a, a superior team. I mean, while while Philadelphia and Seattle are not, you know, what they were last year by any stretch of the imagination, they're still a superior team to the Arizona Cardinals, right? So so the exciting thing is is if you end up being the better coach team, right? And and when was the last time you could look and be like Oh yeah, the Arizona Cardinals are better coached than the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, it's been at least since BA was here, right? Yeah, yeah, and even then, you know, Pete Carroll was doing his thing. So, Bruce Arians, it's been a while. It's it's been a while. And so you look at this game. You know, saying it comes down to the run game is simple. It it really is, but that's what this team is kind of done well and created as its its identity and and <clears throat> wouldn't it be cool to see james connor get over a thousand yards on this season when he missed four games you know in it on a team that struggled so mightily throughout the season with just different aspects of everything you know and then to see kyler get you know and i know it's not a lot but like to see Kyler get to like 10 or 11 touchdown passes on the season, God forbid 12, right? Like, <laughs> and, and you know, he's averaging one and a half touchdown passes per game. Then you're like, okay, that's 28 touchdowns on the season. That's, you know, I think he's at three or four rushing, you know? So you're like, Oh, you're talking about a 35 touchdown season and, and things like that. Like, you know, it's just, it's just one of those, it's just one of those situations where I think, you have to be excited about what their the possibilities are and what you could potentially see. Um, and <clears throat> the way that this team comes out and competes is going to be really interesting to me because at the end of the day, that's kind of all we ask for, right, is that they come out and compete. And if they come out with another fantastic game plan, and by the way, the reality of them doing what they did to the Seahawks is is probably pretty slim, right? Like the way that they all controlled that game was something I haven't seen before. I don't know about you, but like I, I don't, I genuinely don't remember the last time I saw a team have a 40 to 20 time of possession. No, that's, that's crazy. And so, you know, if that happens again, I mean, if that happens again, you're going to have to, like, tie Jess and I down <laughs> heading into next year because we're going to be like, 
this team is really freaking good. Like this team has a chance because like that just doesn't, I mean, it genuinely a two to one time of possession thing just doesn't happen in the NFL. It's just not something that occurs. And so if it happens, you know, back to back weeks in, in let's be honest, must win games for the opponents. Like the only thing we're going to say negative about Jonathan Gannon is like, why didn't you figure this out earlier in the season, right? Like, <laughs> why didn't this be one of the things you did earlier in the season? So, you know, I think I think the game plan's there for the taking. I mean, yeah. I just I truly don't know if if Seattle can stop Arizona on offense, but we all know what the flip side of that is too. Right, and and I'm going to point to one thing: the Cardinals have been absolutely awful against NFC West running backs. Um, I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago after after Christian McCaffrey went off on them again. Ken Walker has had the worst game of all the NFC West running backs against the Cardinals, and that was a 105-yard performance. And if that's the worst that you're doing, that's bad. <laughs> that's not very... That's bad for the Cardinals. The um, running backs have averaged more than 160 scrimmage yards per game in their five division games and two touchdowns a game. Uh, so... Ken Walker becomes kind of the the focal point because if he gets going, we know that the Cardinals will like they will give up point like if if he goes off at all, then you're going to see DK Metcalf, then you're going to see Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, seeing p- big plays in the pass game because we've seen the poorest pass defense that the Cardinals again, and it looks like in, in I haven't seen the injury report yet today, but I'm guessing did did Garrett Williams not practice again today I'm guessing that was the case and we're probably looking at no Garrett Williams for the finale which means Jalen Thompson in the slot and as much as we like Jalen Thompson he can play in the slot the Cardinals are not good as a defense when he's there no they're not and it's just a you know it's an unfortunate thing uh I don't see today's injury report yet Darren has not Darren Urban hasn't posted it that means Seattle hasn't Seattle, it, it's you know because now they're now an hour behind us right now. So yeah, it's coming probably within the hour. So, yeah, and so we'll see. But there's there's going to be issues. I mean, on this defense until they add more bodies, and and obviously quality bodies is the first part. But the reality is they just lack bodies in general. I mean, this is I've I, I mean you and know, I've talked about. It. I've just genuinely never seen a team be down their top five defensive linemen in a season. Like, it's just a – and I know Lecky could be back this week, but, like, it's just a baffling situation to even kind of think about. Anything else in terms of any matchups that we want to look at for this game, or are we kind of looking at – are we basically just looking at the offense versus Seattle's defense and just hoping that they control the ball – because if Seattle gets the ball, they're probably going to move the ball on the. Because let's be honest, like even like the the twenty minutes that Philly had the ball, they still scored points. They scored twenty four points in twenty minutes, and then got yeah, and the, they had two hundred and seventy five yards of offense in twenty minutes. Like, <laughs> and, and then on top of that, they had the defensive score, so there was still twenty four offensive points in twenty minutes of game time. Good. Right, and that's and that's what's crazy about that whole situation. <clears throat> and you kind of hit it right, like. You look at the number of of plays they ran. 
and how many yards they had per play. And it wasn't like the Cardinals were doing anything productive to stop them. I mean, uh, they, they averaged six and a half yards per play. The, honestly, it came down to basically two possessions. It came down to the very first possession and the very last possession. They they forced the punt on the first possession, and they had the they got Jalen Hurts. They 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 read the the, the power run play that that Hurts was doing. They set him up for so that that negative play and that that set up the field goal, and that was basically the difference in the game. Right, which is insane to think about because, like, yeah, four or six and a half yards per play. The the crazier thing is that the Cardinals averaged seven yards per play. So <laughs> they were so good, they were so good. So yeah, that that were kind of so. How much can they keep the the Cardinals can keep the Seahawks offense off the field? Because we know that that the the defense is probably not stopping them. Probably not. You know. Right, and that and that's what makes it tough because like. You can you can look at the matchups and you can look at everything, but the reality just is that they're there's just not I mean, especially for the Cardinals, there's just not a lot to go off of. Like there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of matchups that you look at and you go, hey, they have an advantage here. Because they just haven't been at an advantage, especially on the on the defensive side of the ball, probably for the whole season outside of the Dallas game where they just played out of their mind. But like I said, when you, when you're down your top five defensive linemen and both of your starting inside linebackers, like that's just the fact that they're competing. And I know it's not pretty, but the fact that they're competing tells me all I need to know about Jonathan Ganning heading into year two. Yeah. And that that's exciting. That's super exciting. Coming to next on the Res of Sierra podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the bed on the web. Let's talk about our final segment, which would be, our picks, and our prop bets. That's coming to next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast. Best of Cardinals talk on the web, wrapping things up on the fa- on your favorite segment of the show where we make our predictions. We talk about the best prop bets to make. Um, sorry on the DeAndre Swift props for last week. Sorry about that. That wasn't our fault. We were, we were on the right train of thought. <laughs> but who knew? Would it, how, how in the world were we supposed to project predict that that James that the Cardinals were going to have the ball for 40 minutes and the truth is he still almost hit that over <laughs> had they yeah, had he, one more position he averaged, right he averaged 4.7 yards per carry he his over under was 15 and a half carries and he only got 13 carries <laughs> like that's a baffling baffling thing man like, so hitting the over the so, alternate over of 50 that was that was a good one to cash in on um, that went well. Actually, my props all went very well because I I laddered a couple. I I laddered the over and the over the alternate line of fifty. That went well for me. I and and I wish I would have done a little bit more. I laddered Connor's over with um, sixty plus, and because I got even odds on that, I got plus one hundred and plus one ten. And I I didn't want to get greedy, but dude. Dude, you'd have cashed in. If you'd have gone all the way up to plus one hundred, you would have cashed in. And yeah, last weekend oh, was last one was a really good weekend. And I just had the one stinker for the underdog pick and, and you know, Jacksonville uh shut out the Panthers, but the Raiders did their thing. Um I I, I went two and one, so I'm back on the winning side of things there. But let's look at the the props that we have this week. We actually have on a Thursday afternoon some player props, which is kinda weird. It's kinda rare. 
Um, but we don't have anything on Ken Walker. But I'm, I'm going to be super interested where they set the Ken Walker one at because, you know. Well, their, their offensive line is just so bad, man. But. Like, so beat up. But if we look at what the Cardinals have done against the NFC West running backs, I, I, I still think it's, it's not a bad play to wherever it is. Take the over and ladder it all the way to 100 yards. Even though their offensive line is yeah. bad, it's just going to be a matter of how much they're on the field and how healthy Walker is. Because if he's available, the Cardinals have not stopped. They have not stopped an NFC West running back this this season. Yeah, and I would, I mean, I would mimic anything that Connor's getting right now. So on, on DraftKings, he's at 69 and a half. Um, I would mimic anything that if he's, if Kenneth Walker's in the same vicinity, I would mimic that. So 69 and a half, 80, uh, 90, 100, you know, and, and if you're feeling froggy, go up to 110. So you bet the, the thousand yard season for, for Connor. Um, that's up to plus 360. Nice. I like I like his ladder this week. We we explained why earlier. Uh, if you need to rehash that, go back to the beginning of the <laughs> show. Seattle's, uh, that's Seattle's rush run defense is bad. It's bad and and too bad. Like at least on BetMGM, they don't have anything for for Michael Carter because if they're staying on the field. And the the, the the great thing about this week, this last week, is that the reason why Michael Carter got so much more get the touches that he did is because they were on the field so much. Uh, you know. James Conner got his touches, and they weren't in the passing downs, which meant that allowed Carter to come in because it's always DeMarcado in, in the pass downs. And they don't have anything on him. Otherwise, I'd be interested in that. Now we look at, okay, take this one. James Conner, longest rush, over 16 and a half. I believe he's had one each of his last three games. Yeah, do that. Do that. Take that. He's, he's, he's not only been steady, he's been explosive. And the Seattle defense is not good, so let's yeah. do that. Let's and do the, that. The other one for the Cardinals that I like is Greg Dorch is over. He's at 35 and a half. Seems low based on what he's done this year. And and Ben and, and fact, is 34 and a half. So if you want an extra. Oh, card. sorry. That that is correct. I had it wrong. So thirty four and a half. I was looking at uh Michael Wilson's thirty six and a half, yeah. which is isn't that weird that he's more <laughs> have they has have they not been paying attention to the games? I don't know. <laughs> well and Dorch Dorch played really, really well. And that that's something to talk about over then, but yeah. But I mean yeah, he the last two games he's over that number. You can do a small ladder if you want to fifty if you're feeling froggy, that's plus two hundred. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, he was at forty five the week before on only two catches and then and then obviously eighty two last week. Um I wouldn't go crazy, I wouldn't take him up to eighty again. Like that's that's just no. asking to lose money <laughs> on stuff like that. But Trey McBride's uh, fifty five and a half I like. Yeah, because he missed it just last week at forty five, I want to say, right? He had forty five last game. 40-something, 40, 40 so um, just a just a smidge short, 48. So, yeah, he was real close last week. Um, and, again, this is a, a much worse defense uh, in terms of statistics of what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, I would – any of the th- big three receivers for the Seahawks, I would take their over. DK is 68-and-a-half. 
Jackson Smith and Jigba's 44 and a half. Tyler Lockett's 51 and a half. They haven't had great years, but like we talked about the Cardinals past defense, like the only chance the Cardinals have is to keep away the ball. So <laughs> like, and so if you're betting that happens, that's a, then that is, then don't play it. But again, I've never seen anything like last week before. Like I've watched a lot of football in my life. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, Matt Prater's plus one ten for over one and a half fills made. You know me, I I fire on that every single week if I can. Um, I like I like that one. So, oh, Gene, I, I let's do it again. You got plus odds on Kyler, and. Yep. Over one and a half touchdown passes at plus one twenty. I like it. I think he's he's hit a groove. The offense has hit a groove, and and he's finally and, and he's getting he's getting guys open. So Michael Wilson, I I was real happy for Michael Wilson because it looked like he'd turned into a bad player, but then to bounce back the way he did, you know I I and and if you want if you want to go with a, if you want to go with a, an anytime touchdown score, Michael Wilson gives you plus two thirty odds. That one's that one's real that's real real juicy there. Yeah, and I like um, I like that plus one twenty four on on DraftKings. So slight, I think you said plus one twenty for yeah. yours. So slightly, slightly better odds, but you know at that rate, it really doesn't matter. Play whatever the book is you play. Um, you mentioned Michael Wilson anytime touchdown plus two fifty. Another one I like in this one is uh, I I do like Trey Mc. Bride as first touchdown score. It's plus eleven hundred. It's a, it's a bit of a long shot, but uh, if you the way that, that one, that MGM's a little bit better at plus fourteen hundred. Okay, yeah, so even better. And and but the way that they've the way that their first series have gone, it you know obviously you need the Cardinals to receive the ball because if they don't receive the ball, it's probably going to be Seattle that scores first. But the way that their first their scripted series have gone have just been so crazy productive and good that you know it's it, typically it's James Conner and and it probably will be James Conner and and his number's not bad on on DraftKings at plus 600 but i like the little bit longer odds on a small bet on that uh to make a little bit of extra money um on those, I actually play those every single week. They're they're just fun bets to start the game off with, kind of just. And it's like I said, it's typically James Conner, but you know, it never hurts to try something different. Nope. Um, you you mentioned earlier the the ladders that we we ran last week and and how much those worked out. This week, you've got um, you've got a couple interesting ones that I wanted to throw at you. The first one, both teams to score plus or twenty five plus points is plus three hundred, and both teams to score thirty plus points is plus seven hundred. I so that's, so that's, that's close because I I don't quite predict that for my final score, but that wouldn't be a bad way to go. Um, oh, let, let me pull up the alternate line, the alternate total that is, and let me see if we can. Give you a little value number there. Dun 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 dun. Oh wait, that's where's? Full, oh, I'm looking at totals full game. They kind of tanked it this week. It's fifty twos on this one's only plus one forty six. Fifty two and a half plus one fifty two. 
yeah. which okay, isn't. So I, I do like that because at least uh, at over fifty is still plus odds at plus one hundred five. That's still that's not that's not crazy, but I like it. No. I like it better than the than the standard minus one ten at forty eight. But they definitely tanked the odds this week, knowing that the Cardinals can't stop anybody. <laughs> um, well, we cashed that in last week. Um, final score predictions. Right. What What do you think it's going to be? Uh, I'll give you mine in a second. But how do you think this game's going to play out? Man, this is a tough one. I really want. I really want to take the Cardinals to win this one. But every time I trust trust the Cardinals to win, <laughs> they they remind me that they're not a very good team. Um, so I don't know if it's reverse jinx or whatever, but I'm going to take the, the Seahawks to win this one. I'm going to go 35, uh, Ooh. 31 Seahawks win. And I'm going to go a little bit less scoring. Um, and maybe this is honestly, um, wishful thinking for the Cardinals to move the ball well, but still in the end lose. Right. Um, I have the Seahawks winning 28 24 or 27 24 um where you see the cardinals or maybe is that what the score i predicted um yeah i think that's what i'm going with for that one actually i need to pull that up (laughs) uh because i wrote and and, because honestly honestly what i really really want to happen is that the cardinals lose i don't i i don't want to play around with that stuff as i want them to play well and then to unfortunately lose at the end uh so i picked i picked 27 24 i said uh and and plus because and i think they're going to regress just a little bit they won't be able to do everything they did against the the eagles and i think seattle's going to lock it down a little bit more um especially when the playoffs are on the line and it'll go back and forth ultimately i don't know if it's a game winning field goal that that they get at the end or or a late touchdown that geno smith and it's the rather than kyler having the ball last it's the seahawks and they come away with a 27-24 win that still should put you over the 50 gives you a 51 total uh the seahawks do cover that um at least the initial two and a half point spread um it's looking like right now what is that what is the line right now is it three? Yeah, it's up to three. It's up to three. So, you know, maybe if you're looking to bet the spread, uh, take an alternate spread at um, Seahawks minus two and a half and just take the slight uh, instead of minus three, at which is minus 105, lose a few bucks and take the minus two and a half at minus, two, at minus 120 uh, if you want to go that route. And then, I mean, the money line's not, I mean, the money line's not terrible at minus 145 if you're, if you're not worried about the spread. No, no, I don't think so um, at all. But, you know, it, this is going to be an interesting one because the Cardinals have found the blueprint, but it's a hard blueprint to replicate. And so for that reason, you know, I think that they can. I think that they can win this game, but I wouldn't. Like we said, I wouldn't pick them to win, and then that's what's tough uh, about this situation. <laughs> so yeah. So both predicting a Seahawks win, but both predicting the Cardinals will look good doing it. And with that, we'll wrap up this edition of the Rise of Sea Red Podcast. Best of Cardinals talk on the web. If we don't, if I am not, because I have not heard from Tim yet, I haven't gotten a hold of anyone for another show. So maybe the next show that we will have will come 
after well next week next week when we start the off-season schedule and then we'll have to look at how we're going to handle our off-season content there's lots to talk about that's seth cox i'm just root this is episode 504 thanks for listening as always thanks for listening to the latest edition of the rise up sea red podcast listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on apple podcasts stitcher radio audioboom or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.